This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonald. Damon, I'm going to start right off the bat by throwing a question at you from Derek, who says, how do you cure the G1 hangover? Great question. Because yeah. uh, I spoke to you earlier on in the day. We made a behind-the-scenes decision to have a bit of a moratorium on G1 talk, haven't we? If you need a G1 fix at this point, I don't know, I, <laughs> you've made there's so much content out there that um, you can sink your teeth into, and I just don't want to... I think we both are kind of like, all right, we, that, that ship has sailed. and I mean, I'm sure we'll sprinkle some thoughts in there, but how do you get over it? I mean, yeah. I'm so a- if, you, if you want a, a podcast that's going to do average star ratings, like, well, yeah. I have Jeff Cobb in 18th place with an average of 3.42, listening to the wrong show because yeah. you're not going to be getting it here. And go outside and get some fucking sunshine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go see a boob slash penis slash whatever you're into. Go find that. But, go and have a lovely wank. Yes. <laughs> that would be that. That is always – that's a cure for all ales, I think. I really do. It's a nice time killer. It's just, you know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so if you find yourself opening that spreadsheet, just yep. stop, close it. And take that out. Yep. <laughs> yep. Take out whatever device you need. Get your, get your pants down. Yep. 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 Make sure nothing's in shooting distance and just <laughs> just, and just fire away on yourself. Um, <laughs> that's, I mean, you're Great not going to get that kind of sound advice from any other podcast, right? Oh, all right. Hangover. Uh, how, yeah. how are you coping with it? I'm, think, I'm loving it, actually. Yeah. I feel like I've got my life back. As Me much too. as I enjoy the G1, you sort of wake up and you feel like a new person, don't you? Like, oh, I don't have to watch any G1 matches today. I can yeah. start repairing my broken marriage. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. I can't tell you, but I will say this. I can't tell you how many uh, dumb, shitty, I don't give a fuck social events that I got out of for... Being like, ah, oh, I got to wake up early for this show. Well, what, what show? Ah, uh, you know, the big tournament. You know, it's important. We get a lot of listens during this. You know, all this. I was like, oh, I got out of so much dumb shit. So I don't think I could pull the same thing for the Super Jacob. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, Super Junior Tag League? Yeah. World Tag League? <laughs> yeah, I know. So there is something There is something to be said about the G1 and the fact that it does uh, fill up empty slots in your calendar. Um, I'm fine with it. I know it's your birthday, darling, but tonight it's Finn Juice versus Dangerous Techers, and I cannot miss that. Right, right. I, I understand it is our 20th anniversary, but dear, I have to, uh, I have to catch uh, Robbie Eagles. <laughs> you know, he's he's trying to make a big splash here. He's in teaming with Will Ospreay, you darling. Know. Don't you understand how big that is? Right, this is only going to happen 700 times this year. Please, you got to understand. I got it. Uh, listen, I understand we're renewing our vows, but you know Taiji Ichimori is, is is ready to hit the ring. I'll I'll be back in fifteen minutes, please. <sighs> yeah, G one, but yep, it's um. Here's what I do miss. I do miss the idea of 
there is a great match in front of you every single day. That that is there is something to be said about that. And even if you don't watch it every single day, you catch up and you know you know you know you're not going to have to slog through you know fucking raw. You know what I mean? You're like you know you're going to get good shit. It's it is it is a you know a little somewhat of a struggle though because again you do have to juggle it around. I'll tell you what really fucked me up was the finals night. For whatever reason, I couldn't get back on a regular sleep schedule after that. I was fucked for like three days. I couldn't, I couldn't get back into the groove. Um, and I took off that day and everything. Here's the thing, too. I did our show, and then I did another show. Um, somebody on our Discord has a podcast, and they were like, you know, I was like, yeah. Plus, I was at the bar at the time when I was like, yeah, all right, I'll fucking do it. <laughs> but I was just like, uh. so there's your in. If you want to get David on your podcast, wait till he's drunk. Wait till he's sober. There's no fucking way he's doing that. No, right. Well, even you were like, well, you're doing what? Um, yeah, that's exactly the, that's exactly what it is. If I'm if I got about four beers, I mean, uh, yeah, I'll do. I'll go on and talk about anything. But then, so afterward, I basically did the equivalent of two of our shows and i'm like oh my god i'm so tired like i, I didn't want to talk to anybody for like three days i was just a fucking mess it's a lot of, it's a lot of talking for me i don't i don't like to do it that much so um i even told the person i was like look you got me on a good day <laughs> you really you really got me when when my defenses were down because i normally would not be doing this but i did it but i was a good i was a good boy and it was fun i had a good time um, but yeah, I'm, I'm good with the G1. I'm sure you are too. Actually, having said that there'll be no G1 tour, I do want to serve you up a oh. piping hot L. When last week you complained about last year's G1 finals outselling this year's finals by, I think it was 98 seats, but we've learned that this is a result of larger production. So more seats were uh, sacrificed to make way for staging and things like that. So mm-hmm. last Monday was a legit sellout. So Damon, you take that L. Yeah, I got no problem with that. That's yeah, and here's the thing. I know people are like, and even I was like, all right, it's it's a hundred seats. It's not that big of a fucking deal. But you know, I you know I like to like this like to win, like to like to constantly see the growth. Uh, but yeah, we were told that you know it was for, for production reasons. Um, so yeah, fine. I'm I'm totally cool. Why were people doing victory laps like just waiting to lay the boots to me? Um, I'll take a victory lap. Okay, never say no to one. All right, all right. We need a little fanfare, don't we? <laughs> Joel takes a victory lap. Brought to you by Andrew Rich. <laughs> yeah. We need a victory lap uh, sounder. I tell you what, Andrew Rich is, is so talented. <laughs> he's so good with yeah. these fucking things. I feel guilty because he's done so much stuff for us. And we've done nothing for him. Yeah. I feel like that's the case. I mean, he, and he, he, he's not a big drinker either, right? So it's like every time I see him, which has been once, and I'll see him in Massachusetts... But I'm always like, oh, let me get, I'll, I'll buy beers or whatever. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's not that. He's not, I don't think he's a big drinker. I don't think he's a drinker at all. Am I, am I wrong in that? I don't think he drinks at all. I could be wrong. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll get him off. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like I, I, I want to do something for the guy. He's a Hall of Famer, though. I mean, listen, that's, that's, that's a uh, – everybody wants that. You know, everybody, everybody wants that brass ring. <laughs> what? The brass ring? All right. What the fuck are we talking about here? All right, I want to talk to you first about Katsuyori Shibata. Have you, uh, you know you've had a week to digest it. Do you have any further thoughts on Shibata and what role he might play in the upcoming months? Because personally, I still think we're going to see him wrestle again. 
I don't think they would have run the angle the way they did with that physicality, him doing the drop kick and all that, if he weren't clear. Because to me, it would just be setting up people to be disappointed. Because I thought the beatdown clearly signalled to the audience and the viewers that he was good to go. And Kevin Hare from the Voice of Wrestling Slack pointed out that maybe when Hiroki Goto went to LA to get... uh, He went to ostensibly get ready for the G1. Maybe that was Goto helping Shibata to get ready and not vice versa. It's a good thought. Um, Look, he... I, we said last week, he looked great. And again, it's not like he was required to wrestle like a full match. But in the very limited action that he saw in his uh, angle, uh, he looked tremendous, right? I mean, did you see that still shot of the photo of him throwing that drop kick in the corner? And the height, he was above the, the ropes on his dropkick going into the corner. He's, he, he can fly, that man. Um, and we also did say that, yes, while it could very well be that he is uh, cleared and he is 100%, we don't know. Um, and that it could very well be where he's, you know, leading his new faction or he's, uh, you know, a, like a corner guy or whatever the case may be, a manager, whatever whatever label you want to put on it. Um, I don't think he gets in the ring and wrestles, personally. I don't. And I don't think anybody really knows. And anybody who thinks they know, they're guessing. And that includes Dave, and that includes everyone, right? Yeah, um, all that information is going to be tightly, tightly under wraps. Yeah, yeah, I mean, think of it this way. All the information of his injury was under tight wrap. I mean, we still got a guy that got fucking run over by a moped that we don't know the full story of. <laughs> and he was just like a, a guy. Uh, we're talking about Shivada here. So they're going to be very, very tight-lipped about any of it. Um, I mean, I was reading, correct me if I'm wrong, in The Observer, and they had mentioned that like there was a 20% chance of Shibata living. Did I read that right? During during that whole match injury hospitalization, a twenty percent chance. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, who knows that? Who are the sources there? Because right. New Japan are usually so tight lipped about injury stuff. Right. That to me, I, I have to question that. I felt like that was, and I listen. I love the Observer. I love Dave. I love the the work that he's done throughout the years. I've been a subscriber. Um. I don't agree with everything, but I I 100% appreciate the work that he does for the pro wrestling industry as a whole. But I just read that sentence, and I had – and trust me, I was at the bar with my iPad reading it. I couldn't believe what the fuck I was reading. I was like, how can you write that? Like, how, like did he talk to a doc, doc? You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, what? 20% chance of living? Anywho, I, mean, I can't imagine the scenario. So, like, the doctor's there in Tokyo or whatever saying, this man's got a 20% chance of living. Right. And then <laughs> who's sitting there at bedside? Like, is it Kidani or is it, is it Harold? All right, let's, let's ring up Dave. Dave, they say you've got a 20% chance of living. I, I just can't see it. <laughs> right, right. And whoever he's talking to, again, I'm sure it's off the record, kind of, you know, going back and forth and Dave asking questions. And... Maybe it was just like a, maybe like an offhand thing where you know he just wanted to stress the very serious nature of it. 
But to put that in print without really any verification whatsoever, it just felt like, what? Anyway, again, um, to answer the question, I don't think Shibata gets back in the ring. We do okay, know. Let me throw a scenario at you. Okay. And see if this changes your mind. So a couple of questions. Here. At TB Trojan says, what are the chances Kenta takes another title from Ishii at Royal Quest and then defends it against Shibata-related guys like Goto until we get to the big Wrestle Kingdom showdown. And JDM says, uh, Joe Lanza thinks a Shibata-Kenta match would sell out the Dome if it main evented one of the nights. Curious if you agree and White would do better than Okada, Okada Naito in 2017. So do you, wait, give me percentage odds on Kenta versus Shibata at Wrestle Kingdom for the Never title. I'll tell you what. Uh, we were we were talking to a couple people, and I would say, I would I would put them in the category uh, Joel of people we respect when we talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think I think so, right? Who fired off, uh, you know, a, a, a match? You know, wouldn't that be great? You know, <laughs> we were like that that would be great. And not saying it is happening. I'm not saying it. You know, but. The idea of it happening, yeah, that was it. If that is an end game, let me be very clear. If that if that is an end game, that is a meaty, sexy, pants down type of match. Look, does it sell out the dome on its own, like as a main event? Yeah. So let's say January fourth is main event by Kenta Shibata Never Title. Sells out the Tokyo Dome? No. I don't think so. Sells out the Tokyo Dome. Think of the think of the matches that have headlined the Tokyo Dome. And we haven't had sellouts. I think sellout is a big fucking that's a that's a that's a hefty task. I I, I think it could do a good. A good? <laughs> it could do a good. I don't think it sells out. Headline here, New Japan has done a good. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, uh, yeah, do you think it sells out? Um, uh, I think wherever it is on the card. It helps. Shibata's return. That is, that is huge. Yep. That is absolutely huge. Yep. I think... I think you could play yeah, a key... I think it would. Okay, but uh, I think that plus something else like like a heavyweight title defense, you know, you know, have that. Uh, and again, I don't want to discredit it and say put it on the undercard, but second from the top, you you have a good, you have a really so good shot. Much big stuff in their locker, haven't they? Like yeah. Hiromu's return, they're yeah. sitting on that one, waiting for the perfect time for that. The Liger retirement, this scene that's going on with the the two top titles is ah, uh, I was. I'm not going to say unexcited by us getting our Wrestle Kingdom tickets, but since the G1 final has happened, it's definitely put a lot more buzz back into my anticipation of those two shows. Oh, I can't wait. I think, I think, I think we are in store for two nights of pro wrestling that we'll, we, we will take to our graves. It will be I, – I, and I, here's the thing. I hate doing this, but I, I – I'm already putting a lot of pressure on not only, you know, the promotion and what the show will be, but also myself and my enjoyment of it. 
You know, I feel like I got like a tidal wave of greatness that I'm going to compact into two nights. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't want it to be, you know, I don't want to work myself up into this fucking froth and 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 wind up being disappointed only because I put myself on this, you know, gigantic pedestal. But I think we are. No, you'll be sitting next to me, so there's no way you're going to be disappointed. But that's true too. I, I that that I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to everything. I cannot wait. The only thing I'm not looking forward to and is if, that. If the trip. show doesn't excite you, and I'll give you a hand job. <laughs> no, this is this is fantastic news. Uh, you heard it. You heard it. Here. Oh no, your listen. wife's coming. Would she mind? Um, <laughs> if listen, you lead over, John, John like, the show's not really doing it for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Say no more. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. Wait, Liger, Liger comes out, he retires, you know, and I'm sitting there with my hand on my head. You're like, what do you mean you're not having a good time? And come, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Come on, Joe. <laughs> it's not as fun as I thought it would be. Come on. Get unzipping. Uh, we're First of the cartwheel death match and now this. Now, look at what we've become, Joe. Look at what, look at, look at what we've disintegrated to. Degenerates. Um, no, but to answer Joe Lanza's question or Joe Lanza's uh, statement, would that individually sell out the dome? No, I don't think it would. I think if you put that in a collective, let's put it this way: that uh, heavyweight title match and Liger's retirement, and, and not that you would do this all in one show. I get it. And Hiromo coming back, you'd sell out the dome, right? I would have those on separate nights. I would too. I would uh, too. Shibata and Hiromu. Yeah. But you you could sell out the dome with if you put all that on there, right? So you figure you're going to split it up. What would you split? Like, what, what? How would you have it look between the two dome shows? Hmm. And let's say Shibata is really able to difficult. return. Let's say Shibata, you you can have okay. So Shibata you got a healthy Shibata, you got a healthy Hiromu. Mm-hmm. So where am I putting those two matches? I'm, I'm keeping Hiromu separate from Liger. I know a lot of people have suggested Hiromu versus Liger, but to me, that's a waste. You can get two big drawing matches by keeping those apart. So I would say first night, I'd have something like, I don't know, Hiromu versus Osprey and have Shibata Kenta on the second night. Mm-hmm. Liger retirement. Hmm... That's going to be second night, right? Because you can have Liger first night. You don't have to keep Liger off the first show. He could work a tag match. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he doesn't have to yeah. not work the first show. That one's hard. And where do you position it? Because it's going to be a very bittersweet moment. People are going to be... Yeah, I've got loads of questions about that. I had a whole segment in the show about Liger. Can we, can I, can we pause yeah. that and we'll yeah, come yeah, back yeah. to it? Because a yeah. lot of people have asked stuff about this. Yeah. Yeah, but a little, little radio tease. Plus, so later in the podcast, we'll talk a little bit more about our our wants and needs for Wrestle Kingdom, including hand jobs from Joel. <laughs> all right, my next Wrestle Kingdom related question regards John Moxley because Sports Illustrated reported that his New Japan contract will run through next year's Tokyo Dome show in January. So, how do you see the next few months playing out for Moxley in New Japan, and who do you think he'll wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom? Because Obviously, there's the All Elite Wrestling TV deal coming up, and you think he'd have his hands full when that comes. So do you think they quickly have him try to lose the US title at destruction, or do you think he holds on to it and they save it up for the Juice Moxley US title rematch at Wrestle Kingdom 
Uh, I think they said some, mentioned something about a no DQ match. Okay. I think I think he drops the title before AEW gets rolling. Like you don't want to have, and I know it's two separate countries, and and but there is bleed over. You you don't want your guy that you're that is a cornerstone of your promotion to be on TV, you know, big star, and then going over to a the you know New Japan's biggest show and losing what probably to AEW is an insignificant title. Hate to say it, you probably don't want that. It's not a good look. So but do you ha- think he loses it to Juice? I think he loses it to Juice, but beating him in the G one. I think he loses it to Juice, and I think it, like it's. I want to say it's it's going to happen before their TV gets launched in October. I would think, right? I mean, if you're in New Japan, do you want to get that belt off? I think actually, no. I think he will keep it, and I think Juice Moxley no DQ match for the US title will be at Wrestle Kingdom, and hopefully they can work out something with AEW so that Moxley can have that belt on their shows, and maybe I can't think we discussed this before. You could have. Juice making a little run in at some point on one of those AEW shows because I think that would be mutually beneficial. Um, yeah, that's just my feelings. I think they're going to save it. I don't think that's something you want to burn at destruction. Right, but I think that, and again, this is not a slight on Juice by any stretch of the imagination, but Moxley, his position in AEW is at the very top, right? I mean, they're they're shooting for Kenny for for Moxley, aren't they? So for him to have Juice run in would be, again, in a, at least in AEW's mind, a step down. Right? So while it would be great to have Moxley with that U.S. title, if he let's put it this way. If he has it, I don't think they recognize it. Or if they do, it's very under the, under the covers, you know, just, you know, oh, yeah, he's the uh, New Japan U.S. champion, too. You know, you know, just a little side note thing. I don't think I don't. Let's put it this way: I I would be shocked if I saw that title on AEW TV. I'll tell you that right now. I I, I would be surprised, just because again, I just think Moxley's the where he's positioned in AEW and where they're going to have him slotted for New Japan. I think are you know there's a big there's a big gap there to me. So um, I think I I think Moxley drops it before AEW's TV gets gets cooking. Okay, so give me a Moxley match for Wrestle Kingdom. I know he did mention something in an interview that he'd like to face Suzuki. Yeah, uh, that's... I mean, you could do that. I don't think anybody would would turn that down. Who would I want to have, though? The thing with Juice is that... It, <clears throat> I think everybody wants the Juice thing because it helps Juice more than it helps Moxley, Right? If he wrestles Suzuki, it helps. I think it helps Moxley more. <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, so, ideally, Juice. But here's the thing: Are you going to stretch out that thing for another six months? Are you going to stretch out that U.S. title for another six months? Just swapping it back and forth. I don't know. It feels like there there might be somebody that you can give Moxley. Maybe it's Suzuki. 
that'd be fine. But um, yeah, I just I, the the juice helps. The juice match helps juice more, and that's what I would rather see. To be quite honest with you, the other big story regarding Wrestle Kingdom is well, I've, I've got a big list of questions here, so I'm going to throw the questions and then hopefully answer all the questions together in one neat package. So oh, Chris right. says, do you think the G1 winner versus IWGP chat main events January 4th or 5th? Obviously, January 4th is a more historic date, but surely you want the last thing the fans see to be uh, what's historically the main event. And Daryl says, how do you see the format of a two-day Wrestle Kingdom looking? Can there be enough build-up and hot matches to sell out the Dome on consecutive days? So those two questions set the table for uh, a bit of a, a booking predicament with these titles and this two-day Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Violent Skipping says, will Okada Ibushi be the main event or the top billing of the two main events, if you prefer, for Wrestle Kingdom? So then I was thinking about that and thought, well, this is a match that we've literally just seen. And is that going to be top billing for this big double header of Wrestle Kingdom? And we also have some questions about Naito. Lior says, how much longer do you think New Japan can tell Naito fans to wait before fans will get sick and bail out? KSJ49 says, why does it hurt being a Naito fan and will the pain go away? So then you also have Naito fans who are hanging on by thread. Well, some of them are anyway. So bearing all that in mind, Damon, there was this little caveat from Ibushi in the post-G1 presser where he said that he wants to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship on January 4th and challenge for the Intercontinental Championship on January 5th. He said he doesn't care who the IC champ is. Now, that's all we've got so far, so nothing official. This could just be Ibushi talking out of his ass. He didn't mention anything about putting the IWGP heavyweight title up on the line on January 5th. He just said that he wants to win the heavyweight title on the 4th and the IC title on the 5th. So, a lot of people are speculating that we are going to get some sort of mini-tournament where you have the, an IC title match and an IWGP title match on January 4th, and the winners face off against each other on night two for both belts. More questions then. Andrew says, are Naito fans that dream of a two-day mini-tournament that ends with him being a double champ on January 5th, just setting themselves up for heartache and disappointment yet again? And Graphic Ben says, with Kota making it clear he wants to challenge for both titles at Wrestle Kingdom, does he take the heavyweight title off Okada on January 4th and then title versus title on January 5th versus Naito? It is common for first-time champions to have short reigns, so it seems to fit that Ibushi would have the belt for a second, allowing for Naito and Okada to meet at Dominion. So here are my thoughts for all of those questions on this mini tournament deal. So I think Naito will offer to put his Intercontinental title on the line on January 5th. But what's the incentive for him? He's only going to do it if his challenger puts up their IWGP title too. He's got to be able to get something in return. So that can give us the big Okada-Naito match, but in an unpredictable way. Because they've allowed Jay White and Kota Ibushi to get the shine in the G1, which everyone thought, oh, we're getting, Naito's going to win the G1, we're getting Okada Naito at the Dome. Now there's a little curveball there. Kota Ibushi, I don't think he's going to, this is going to upset a lot of people, I don't think he's going to win the IWGP heavyweight title yet. I think his reward for signing with a company, signing that two-year deal, is the G1 win and getting one main event at the Dome. So my feeling at the moment is that Okada gets his win back on January 4th in his title defense versus Ibushi. 
And then on the same night, Naito defends his intercontinental title versus Jay White. Jay gets in because he's got a win over Naito. And having Jay White in that top four solidifies his spot at the top table of the company. Then, so Okada wins, Naito wins. And then on January 5th, you get Okada versus Naito, title versus title, which would explain why they, quote unquote, burned the Wrestle Kingdom IWGP match, Okada Ibushi, at the G1 block finals. So your quote unquote semi finals on January 4th are basically G1 block final rematches, which also gives a hook for people to buy tickets to both nights. Yay or nay? These guys are shooting from the hip when they do these interviews. So I have to address that one small thing first before any of this even goes any further with with multiple nights and mini tournaments and all that stuff. And I think that's part of the reason why Naito fans get upset and feel a lot... Like, like in in, in some cases, they kind of do it to themselves. Like, they got all worked up over, you know, this Naito two belts thing. Um, that obviously didn't mean much, at least to now, right? But now that there's more speculation with Ibushi and what, what he says in his post-match um, presser or wherever he says what he says, I, I just feel like you're the, I, th- I feel like people are setting themselves up for disappointment and they're trying to book scenarios to make it fit a narrative to have what they want come true and have that big box under the tree at Christmas. Right? Um, I think, and I don't know anything. I mean, and they could do this. I mean, don't get me wrong. The scenario that you laid out is, is it makes sense and it, and and it could happen. Give me a percentage, Joel, of, of what you mapped out there, which was, Again, made sense, but give me a percentage of of where you feel that fits with these two nights at the Tokyo Dome. Do we, I don't think we see something like this. I would love to see it. I think it would be fresh and interesting and creative, but I don't think it's very New Japanish. This is more the sort of thing that WWE might do. Uh, New Japan, they are set in their ways with their booking structures, and it would devalue the G1. So if you did do that, it would have to be a one-off. So whilst on the one hand, you know, I've, I've made the case for it, and also it seems perfect given that we've had Okada feuding with Jay White earlier in the year, Naito feuding with Ibushi, Naito and White clashing at the G1, Okada Ibushi doing the same, Ibushi and White having their final. So you've had all these four guys in the mix together for 2019, and then Okada Naito looming on the horizon. So it would make sense to me percentage chance i would give it and again I, I i do kind of think there's no smoke without fire with naito going on about this two belts thing and ibushi just uh, and you forget about jay white that out there and, and you know jay white his his big thing during g1 is well why the fuck do i gotta win g1 i'm the number one contender i've always been the number one contender right um you know okay yeah great. I, so he my thinks he can he can he can backdoor his way into the IWGP title picture by getting another win over Naito. Right. So that's how it, it would make a lot of sense. Percentage chance, I'll give it about 20%. Yeah. I'm probably in, I'm probably even a little bit less than that, but, um, all right. So let me give you this. You said you scale a one to 10. 
if they said, all right, that, that's what we're doing, Wrestle Kingdom, that, we're going on with, with the, the Joel plan, scale one to ten, how excited would you be knowing that you're going? Ten. Ten? Absolutely ten. Because, yeah, I would love that. That would be amazing. So, night one, you're getting a huge IWGP title and IC title match. Yep. And then the next night, you are closing the show with an unprecedented winner-take-all title versus title. Yeah. Possibility of seeing Naito get his moment of glory because, uh, you know, I said I've got a little bit... I'm not a huge Naito fan, but I had got that emotional connection having seen him looking so crestfallen at Wrestle Kingdom 12 and being in that arena when there were uh, that Rainmaker 1, 2, 3 and just like the air being let out of a balloon, just that stunned silence. So just having that little bit of, dare I say, hope that we could be getting a moment of redemption there. Possibility of Ibushi getting both belts, Ibushi having his moment in the sun spotlight and also the distinct possibility that Akada just beats everyone and becomes double champion, which you would not bet against at this point, given booking history. Can't even rule out Jay White. I would be so excited for that, Damon. I'm fully in. Ten. Yeah, that, it, I tell you what, you do have me kind of somewhat hyped for this. <laughs> you know, as I'm going through in my head and just thinking about, okay, so and night one. Also, is, yeah, get, I just want to throw one more thing that um, Naito, there's no way he's ever going to match someone the likes of Okada or Tanahashi in terms of length of reign and record-breaking title defenses and that. He's never going to have that. But him being the first double champion gives something for him to brag about and something for Naito fans to hang their hat on. He can be like, I'm the first ever double champion in New Japan. So that gives him his little hook there. So Man. just a, another thing to throw in there. Okay. So I like this. I do. I, re- I really do. I like the idea of the intrigue going into night two. I like the idea of having everyone involved. And at least at, when January 4th, the morning of Jan- they, they wake up the morning of January 4th and everybody else does. And you're like, okay, take me for a ride. Take me for a ride on this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm actually, that's exciting. And you know, outside that dome, everybody's going to be speculating of, okay, so, so they could do this and this. And everybody's drinking. Everybody's going to have a good time. I like this. I really fucking like it. What do you do with the Intercontinental title after that? It's, do you, is it dissolved? Is it, does it go away? Do, does it become re-split again? Like, how, how do you see that? That's, that's, that's a title that's important. And it feels like you're, uh, you're, you're going all in on a scenario to appease one wrestler, one group of fans, right? And you're... Kind of, sh- I don't want to say shitting on, but you're, you're putting on pause a very important title that can headline smaller buildings. You know, those new beginning shows, they could be headlined by by a intercontinental title match. Um, what do you do? I what think do you that's do with exactly that what title? happens. What's that? You have someone. Someone has a claim to an intercontinental title shot and gets it at one of the new beginning shows. I don't know how many they're doing because they did announce they're doing. New beginning in Osaka Joe Hall, which is very very big. So you got to think that they have something up their sleeve for that too. Mm-hmm. So if they do run with this tournament thing, I think the winner is losing one of those titles straight away at New Beginning. Yeah, I think you might be right. Look, I like it. I do like it. Again, twenty percent 
we're doing a lot of we're doing a lot of boner stroking over twenty percent. Um, but I like it. I, I I think it helps satisfy every audience. Everybody gets a little taste. Um, and it makes for an interesting two days. I like it, Joel. I I I, I got no issues with it right now. I'll make the call. Yep. Gato, book it. All right, let's move on to Royal Quest then. The card was announced. And we have, well, first of all, it's likely to be a tape delay for NJPW Worlds as Southern Showdown was because Fight TV are paying a lot of money for production costs, not just video production, things like lighting, staging, pyro, etc. So they will get exclusivity for three days. What are your thoughts on that, Damon? Um... I think it's nice that New Japan got somebody to foot the bill. <laughs> That's nice. Um, um, look, I, I, I say it a lot. I don't, I don't know. The card is great. Number one, let's let's get that out of the way. The, the card is hot, and it's going to suck that people are going to either a feel the need to wait four days or five days or however long it is for it to get up on the network. Or I, they have the option of paying the $35 to watch it live. And I'm sure that they'll get some people that are just they, – they have to do that. They want to do that. They, and good. I'm glad that they are. Uh, you are going to get another world where people are, I can't wait. I want to see this. Oh, there are options to see this. And you know that's that, that's in the back of New Japan's mind of uh, okay, right. So look, they had the, it's certainly not a, a situation where it's like they made a deal with the devil, but you know production costs are expensive, and if they can get somebody to help foot that bill just for the idea of okay, we ho- hold on to this for three days, great, and fight TV. You know, might make an extra couple bucks off of the the buys that they get. Let me ask you a question: Do you think Fight TV, for the amount of money that they invested in production, recoup that in people buying the show? I don't know enough about the business to be able to make an educated guess on that. To be honest, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if people plunked down the thirty five dollars to buy. Um, to to at least have Fight TV cover the costs of whatever they put in. Um, and I think that hurts. I do. I really think that hurts. Again, I understand the idea of, of production and the cost and all that, and it's expensive to run a show like that, a one-off show. You know, this is not like it's fucking Iron Maiden touring. This is a one-off show for New Japan to be able to pay for that. So they got somebody that's going to is willing to pay for that. Um, look, uh, let's let's not let's not beat around the fucking bush here. People are going to find ways to to watch this show, and it might not necessarily mean through the the most legal of methods. Um, but I hope I hope. Here's the thing: I hope for fans sake that they do buy and i'll say this and i'm 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 not the kind of guy that's that's going to tell you how to how to spend your money but i will say this 
if Fight TV doesn't find this profitable in some way, and I'm, and I'm pretty confident they're going to take a loss. But okay, if they don't or they break even, they're only going to do this so many times is what I'm trying to tell you, right? And if New Japan doesn't have that financial option for production and all that, you're going to, you might get a nice show, but you're not going to get a copper box show. So my point being is this. If you want a copper box show, you probably might want to invest some money uh, in, in that. Now, again, you have the gate at the copper box. And I'm not putting this on British fans by any stretch of the imagination. I'm putting this on New Japan Pro Wrestling fans in general. If you want more of these types of shows, you might have to invest, right? <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, because, again, it's, it's all about money and profitability. And if a place like Fight TV doesn't see the profitability in it, I can't see them investing in that type of production again. Yeah, we had a few questions about that situation. JDM says, should we be worried that both Royal Quest and Super J-Cup will be broadcast on delay? And only by paying Fight can you watch Royal Quest live. This is the second event that Fight has got an exclusivity. New Japan English Twitter is selling this by saying the September subscription will be loaded with Super J-Cup, Royal Quest and Destruction. PD Batman says, does this Fight TV partnership serve as anything more than an inconvenience? Anyone who is a real fan has a NJPW World subscription that they pay for year-round. And I think you've addressed that, Damon. My thoughts are, I don't mind because these are extra events. It's not like they're taking um, a Dominion or Wrestle Kingdom or King of Pro Wrestling or G1 off the table from New Japan World. These are extra events. I'm seeing these as bonus events. So if they have those um, coming up on tape delay, if you want to watch them live, you pay a bit of money to fight TV. I'm absolutely fine with that. I don't think it's a big problem because um, you're still getting great value for money for your world subscription. But um, let's dig into the Royal Quest card itself and just give our quick thoughts on that. So first match, we've got Ren Narita, Shota Umino, Ryusuke Taguchi versus Sho, Yo and Rocky Romero. Second match, Juice Robinson and Kota Ibushi versus Hikuleo and Yujiro Takahashi. Third match, Robbie Eagles and Will Ospreay against El Phantasma and Taiji Ishimori, which you'd expect to possibly become a uh, IWGP junior tag title match, given that ELP and Ishimori are the champions. Yep. Fourth match, Sanada and Naito versus Chase Owens and Jay White. So they are keeping the Naito and Jay White thing going. Fifth match, we have IWGP Tag Team Championship match with Gorillas of Destiny, Tangaloa Tamatonga defending against the winners of Rev Pro's Road to Royal Quest tournament. Um, a lot of people think that could be Aussie Open, and there's a lot of excitement there. Sixth match is Never Openweight Championship match, Tomohiro Ishii versus Kenta. Seventh match, British Heavyweight Championship match, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Eighth match, IWGP Heavyweight Championship match, Kazuchika Okada versus Minoru Suzuki. Did hear a few people complaining that you know, they're not getting Jushin Liger, they're not getting Taichi, which I understand. But to me, that's looking a gift horse in the mouth. I think this is a great card. And I know some of them are rematches. ZSJ Tanahashi we've seen a few times this year. Okada Suzuki we've seen a few times over the past few years. But the very fact that London are getting an IWGP Heavyweight Championship match is, and, and a Tanahashi singles match... Yep. I think is huge for and an Ishii Kenta match. British wrestling fans. Hot, right? Hot, Which hot I think off is going to kick off. Right? Yeah, this is kicking off one of my most exciting stories of the year. So, I think there's plenty to get excited about there. Yeah, they listen. Let let, let it be known, you motherfuckers over there, you got yourselves a great show. That's a great show. Um, considering, you know, you get 
Rev Pro shows that and with New Japan um, interaction, and you've had some really nice shows. Don't get me wrong. So there's been matches that have been very nice and very sexy. This is a true 100% meaty New Japan show that you got. You got yourself a, you know, could easily slot into any one of those, you know, Secor Genesis's, uh, you know, uh, um, Destruction, any one of those. You got yourself in, you know, you don't have to fly 14 hours to go see it. So shut your mouths. (laughs) Um, The Liger stuff, Liger's there. Liger is in London as we record right now. He's there. I don't know why he's not on the show. Like he's working a Rev Pro show. Um, is it Rev? Yeah, I think it's Rev Pro. Um, so he's there. So maybe he makes an appearance. Maybe after the main event, he comes out and challenges Suzuki for a, a match at Wrestle Kingdom. You would think something, something would be done with him using him. I, I don't know why he would not be on that show. It makes zero sense because he's there. Go to go to his Twitter account. He's taking pictures of his breakfast, his 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 uh, full English, uh, the beans, the whole things, the whole things. Joel, you'd be salivating. Um, and he's like uh, walking around. Yeah, he's, he's there. So I I don't know why that that is the case. To, to be honest, but you would think that he would at least show up. Maybe do a. I don't know. I, I I can't answer that. I don't know the exact reason why, but he is in London, so let the speculation run rampant. Um, There's just oh, he's still. No, there, I was just going to ask. Do we see any title changes? Yes, I think Kenta is a lock to win that never open weight title. You too. The other two, um. I think Zach retains. I think Okada retains. I think there's a chance that, for sake of argument, let's say it's Aussie Open, I think it would be good if they won the IWGP tag titles because I think that division could do with freshening up. I do. Um, I, yeah, I have that never title match circled. Now, now, okay, now this goes back a little bit. How do you feel about this? Again, you can pay the 30 bucks. Well, I guess that's your answer. You could pay the thirty bucks if 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 you really need to see that never open weight title match. As it happens, it's not like you don't have an option. You do have an option. It's called thirty dollars, <laughs> right? And it's called Fight TV. That's your option. Um, if you feel that you need to see that live, as it happens, there you go. If you can stay spoiler free for a handful of days, then. With the with the with the idea that there could be a title change, okay, they, they roll roll with it. Um, but that but that is the world we live in right now. Let's discuss the Super J Cup, which is coming up this weekend. So we have three shows. We've got Thursday, August twenty second in Washington, the Temple Theater. Then Saturday, August twenty fourth in California the San Francisco State University Student Life Event Center, and then Sunday, August 25th, California in Long Beach Water Pyramids, where we'll be getting the finals. Have you seen the brackets, Damon? Would you like me to send you an image of the brackets for this? I would love you if you did. Yeah, I would. Uh, I think I have seen it, but um, I do know 
that it's Will and um, is it Amazing Red um, in the first round? Yeah. Yeah, so as, uh, I'm sending it to you on WhatsApp as we speak. And the other little note for this is that this one is not live on New Japan World either, but that's um, uh, we understand to be a matter of infrastructure that they just don't have uh, the facilities there to broadcast the event live on New Japan World. So again, that one you're going to have to wait for, but for different reasons. So Damon, you got a copy of the brackets there. Yes, yes I so, do. Let's go through this then, so we can give our picks who we think is going to win each one and predictions for the whole tournament. So Will Ospreay versus Amazing Red, uh, take it away. I think that was the uh, dream match that that Will had pushed for, and good for Red to get on this show. Good job uh, by everyone involved to make this happen. Um, I can't imagine Will Ospreay losing this match. Um, I think this is an exhibition, <laughs> right? Um, for both guys to kind of check a box and do it on a on a somewhat big stage, so I would, uh, you know, Will is your champion. I can't imagine a loss here. Will goes on to the second round. Okay, so that one was our main event for the first show, and we have Show versus Taiji Ishimori. I don't like this. This one's tricky. Yeah. You don't like it? No, because one guy's got to go. One guy's got to go early. These are two guys that are fucking studs. Put, put, mix them up. Get them separate. I want to see them go deep. Um, if so, if the winner of Show and Ishimori wrestles the winner of Will and Red, uh, I would love to see Show win. I really would. I'd like to see Show and Will. Hmm. But in my gut, Ishimori's kind of got to win this one, right? He does. He can't. Lose I'm it, looking at because they they're in the same block in Best of the Super Juniors this year, mm-hmm. and Ishimori beat Show in that match. So I think Ishimori comes in as a heavy favorite. He's a former IWGP Junior Champion. Everyone's expecting him to win, but I think Show gets his win back. Maybe a bit of a shock. Maybe he can do some sort of roll-up or cradle or something. And I think Show needs it a lot more than Ishimori. I think Ishimori could sort of brush it off as like, ah, you got me, you little fucker. But Show and then getting an Osprey versus Show match, I think would be tremendous. So I'm picking Show. Okay, let's go with Show. Let's do a a group one. We'll do a group pick. Pick them. Um... Okay, show show's moving on. All right, then we go to the next uh, block thing. Yeah, so we have Clark Connors versus TJP. Clark Connors is a young line. Uh, there's, I don't think there's any way he's going to beat TJP here. Yeah, if if they're doing anything with TJP, he's winning this match. So let's 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 give him the win there. And we have Robbie Eagles versus El Fantasmo. So mm. this one is tricky to call. Now, let's go back to Best of the Super Juniors, where El Fantasmo did beat um, Robbie Eagles. So, yeah, I'm just tempted to go for... I I know it sounds dull, but for parity booking, I think it would help Eagles a lot to get his win back. And I just think the dynamics of having TJP versus El Fantasmo, two sort of dickish heels, 
might not work so well. So I think Robbie Eagles to beat El Fantasma. The, the the second part is where is where I'm on board. Like it just seems like you have the same guy going on. You know what I mean? Why why do that? So mix it up. Yeah. So I'll go Robbie Eagles, um, with the win to kind of kind of eve the balance out the dickness of of the second round. And then on the other side of the bracket, we have Ryusuke Taguchi versus Jonathan Gresham. This is a tough one. It is. Because here's the thing. As much as I like Gresham, in the pecking order, Taguchi is a mile higher, right? And and again, here's the thing. Again, Taguchi can have good matches. Again, we say it a lot when, when he gets the tap on the shoulder. I would love to see Gresham go on. And it could be... Joel, this could be a situation where, you know, this is a Taguchi vacation, right? You know, he's going he's gonna to enjoy the West Coast. And, you know, so he's going to go out in the first round, and then it's multi-man tag matches for the rest of the fucking tour. Um, but you do have to keep Taguchi relevant. He does, do. at some point in the year, need to get some serious wins. So, yeah, he was, he was a contender right up to... Was it, he was in the mix, wasn't he, for best yep. of the Super Junior? So maybe he's had that little run already. So you, you could argue that it's not going to really hurt him for Gresham to get the win here. I want Gresham, but I think to Gooch. Like my heart says Gresham. My mind says to Gooch. So let's go with to Gooch. I, 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 I would say to Gooch gets the win. Then we've got Yo versus Dragon Lee. Again, this is a really tough one. Two young studs. Mm. Yo could really do with a win here, but Dragon Lee is not that far removed from being IWGP junior champion. Could run with a similar thing, but again, do you want to do that twice in the same night with him getting an upset win? This is really difficult. I'm really excited about this match as well. Me too. I got to go Dragon Lee, though. You know who's a name that we didn't mention with this, this whole Shibata thing? Is Dragon Lee. You know, Dragon Lee yeah, has... To, the, to what ends? Yeah. I mean, just being in that mix. So if if we see this, this Shibata faction, this Shibata stable, you would think Dragon Lee's in that mix, right? As a junior... Like if, if I could see, you know, what I could see uh, Kenta just kicking the shit out of Dragon Lee as a way to get at Shibata. Yeah, yeah. Again, every every faction needs a junior. That's a nice. That's a nice little junior, right? It's a nice little junior in your in your in your new faction. Um, I think Dragon Lee beats Yo. Okay, so penciling Dragon Lee here. Then we have Karistico versus Bushi. Uh, I must confess my ignorance. I don't know too much about Caristico, but I think Bushi gets the win here. I do too, only because, as as silly as this sounds, you probably want to have an Lij guy go a little deeper in this tournament, right? Just to just to please the Lij contingency. Um, contingency? Contingents? I'm making up words. Um, Bushi goes on. And then our final match in the first round will be Rocky Romero versus Soberano Jr. I think Rocky wins this one. I do too, but now it's like, okay, so now all these guys that you're bringing in 
or losing in the first round. It's like, why are you bringing in these guys <laughs> again? Um, you would think, I don't know. Like, I, Rocky's the kind of guy that you would th- you would want to give him a, a win. But I don't think he would give a fuck if he lost in the first round. Um, yeah, but it would set up a nice, you know, the grudge match, the Bushi Rocky Romero grudge yeah, match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That does that. That's the key right there. I don't think there's any. I don't think that was by accident. Let's put it that way. So let's let's go all in. Let's say Rocky wins, and then we see the Bushi Rocky match. So that leaves us with quarterfinals of Will Ospreay versus Show. Um, I think Show puts up a good fight here, but Osprey takes the win. Yeah, I think so too. But you get so. I'm just looking at the brackets. Like, so who are we setting Will up here? Because if Will takes a fall. Well, this, I was thinking we're looking at a semi final of Osprey versus Eagles. Or do you think that match has been done too much? Because I would love it if Show win and Show versus Eagles would be a really exciting. I mean, yeah, that would be a really exciting semi final, Show versus Robbie Eagles. So I'm split on Osprey or Show. In a, in a setting like this, I think it, this is this is the setting that you want to make stars, that you could make stars, and use it as a setup and a launching point. I don't. Well, let's let's work our way backwards. Or all right, well now let's go forward. We're we're halfway there already. But I don't think Will wins. How about that? I'll go so far as to say I don't think Will wins this thing. Yep. Okay. I think. Show being Will Ospreay would be a really smart play because I don't think it hurts Ospreay at all because he's banged up from the G1. He could put over Show in a tremendous match as he usually does, and Show gets the rub and yep. a bit of shine. So, I'm and we have Show a, for this one. Yeah, and and we have an the idea of you know setting up a title match down the road. I would love Show to win this. I, I, I'll tell you what. I might be out of my fucking skull on this one, but do you think Show wins this whole thing? The thought had occurred to me as well. I think it's between him and Robbie Eagles. I think both of them would benefit a lot. But I kind of feel that Eagles has had his moment to shine with those Australian shows. And Show did show, uh, no pun intended, a lot of upside in the best of the super juniors, but he didn't really have a moment of glory per se. Right. So I, well, I don't, I don't want to give my cards away, but uh, something to think about. I think show makes it to the finals on the, on the left side. All right. Okay. But let's stick with this. Then we've got TJP versus Robbie Eagles. TJP wins. Huh, interesting. Well, I maybe so. they could run a, a rematch or TJP can join Bullet Club or do some nonsense. Uh, so then let's go to the other side. We've got Taguchi versus Dragon Lee. Again, that's a tough one to call. I hope Dragon Lee goes through, but you can never bet against Taguchi. I'm going Dragon Lee on that one. I'm going Dragon Lee. Okay, In so. fact, to me, on that right side, Dragon Lee is the only threat to win this thing, in my mind. Okay. And then we got Bushi versus Rocky Romero. Mm. Bush. <sighs> yeah, let's go Bush. 
Boosh. Top shagger Boosh. <laughs> uh, and then on the semi-final, we got Show versus TJP. I'm going Show. Show. Uh-huh. And then the other side, we've got Dragon Lee versus Boosh. Dragon, Dragon Lee. Lee. Yep. So and finals. then we have a mouth-watering final of Dragon Lee versus Show. And are we both picking Show to win this thing? Fuck it. Let's do it. Let's pick Show. Let's pick Show. Show wins. Gets a nice little rub. Now, let me ask you this. Does that does that spell the end of Rapongi 3K? 3K, 3K? <sighs> they did seem to be headed in that direction when they lost the titles. Mm-hmm. I can't remember for the life of me when it was. But maybe it was one of the Kazuna Road shows. Mm-hmm. And it just it seemed to be the end there but there wasn't anything official so maybe not yet but I definitely think they're setting that wheel in motion yeah I mean I think that's I would hope that's coming sooner than later but they do need them for the super junior yeah tag tag league thingy yeah I mean that's fine I mean that's right after this right pretty much Um, or mix it up you can have um, yeah let's have Robbie Eagles and Yo, making a team. <laughs> nice. That'd be crazy. Uh, I say show. Let's uh, let's make it interesting. Let's put our chips on show and yeah. I think it this, look on paper. This is a really nice tournament, right? This is a real. I mean, we're talking about post G one Blues. This has the, this has the potential to be really fucking great. Between yeah, the cup- I hadn't even thought about it, Damon. Yeah. Until we started breaking it down and doing our pickums, I t- hadn't really given it a second thought. But now I'm really excited for it. Yeah, this one is going under the radar for a lot of people, I think. And and, and again, the copper box helps, you know, push it down the the pecking order. This is this is something, as the kids would like to say, don't sleep on this, because there's a lot of fucking talent here, especially that 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 left bracket. Will, Show, Ishimori, Eagles, El Fantasma. That's a good fucking bracket. Mm. This is going to be good. I, I'm, I'm into it. I'm definitely fucking into it. I wish we could watch it live. Wish we could watch it live. But, uh, I mean, what's what's the turnaround, they said? Three days? Five days? I'm going to watch it live. Mm. I know people that are going to this. Flying in. Fucking pulls his 401k. <laughs> Do all <these> stuff. <laughs> Knucklehead. All right, very good. But all right, uh, some questions. Uh, GTR63 says, should New Japan have pursued more talent outside partner promotions for the J-Cup? Look, everybody, it, w- it would be great if it were 1995 and they were able to pull all these different, um, you know, B and C level promotions to uh, pull talent from. That would have been wonderful. It's not... They, I think they did. The, I think they did better than I thought they were. Let's put it that way. I really did. I thought it was. I thought it was going to be, you know, not not as diverse. Um, no, I got. I I I promise you. I I don't have much problem with this at all. Alex says, "Why does NJPW keep burying Tacoma while promoting Super J Cup?" Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure what Alex is getting at here. Uh, well, I mean. I think they don't mention. I think they say Seattle or something like, like Tacoma is a little bit south of Seattle. Um, 
So the actual oh, show see. is in Tacoma. Uh, but, uh, you know, listen, I'm gonna be, I'll be honest. I've been to Seattle three times. I haven't been to Tacoma once. Um, so, look, what, you know, what are you going to do? No, it's, 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 I'm sure it's nice. Everything up there is really nice. Have you ever been to that part of the country, Joel? Of our great United States? No, I haven't. I've only been to New York, and prior to that, I've been to Los Angeles and Las Vegas. Oh, that's right. That's right. I remember you said Vegas, yeah. Um, it's beautiful up there. It's beautiful. Seattle, it's great. Um, I think you would like Seattle. I think you like Seattle. It's got a, it's got a very bohemian-ish vibe, but not too bohemian-ish, where it's annoying. Um and it's just the weather is really nice when, especially in the summer. It's not too hot. I don't know. I liked it. I, I like it up there. Vancouver. Oh, fucking beautiful. All right, very good. There, there's geography, Damon, for the day. <laughs> uh, I'd like to speak to history, Damon. Now, Cody oh. says, "What is your favorite Super J Cup of all time and favorite J Cup match?" Christ. Um, hmm. That tournament is is one of the, the greatest of all time. I just I like the memories I have of that tournament. Uh, the first one I think it was was yeah it had to be the first one because it was Milenko was in it. I think Ricky Fuji was in it. Um, I just remember the I just I, and I remember um, my favorite Matt. That's hard. Hmm. There were some Tai Chi matches that uh, you and Colin seemed to enjoy back in the day. Yeah, really? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I really have to think. I, I really have to think about it. I, I, I mean, be, like, Super J Cup is, is pretty amazing in the sense that it was a gateway to so many people getting into not only juniors. Well, here's it was, it's twofold. One, it's, a, it was a gateway for a lot of people getting into Japanese pro wrestling, period, just because everyone talked about this fucking tournament. But it was also one of those light bulb moments where people kind of realized that size didn't matter, right? So you're thinking like early 90s, and you're still kind of seeing a lot of, you know, especially here in the States, you know, bigger is better, you know, body-wise. And you saw guys like Benoit, and you saw guys like Liger, and you saw guys like Malenko, and you saw guys like Finley. You know, just you know that whole crop of juniors, and even the guys that they would bring in, Sasuke, and you, and you would see these guys and just the, the, the amazing fucking matches that they would have. And it opened the opened up not only fans' eyes, but I really think it opened up a lot of wrestling promoters eyes that you didn't have to be size it didn't you know um so i th- i think that's where that to me the history of the j cup is that is is kind of like the first real time and tiger mask had a lot to, you know had stuff to do with it in the past and even liger too but that tournament just got so much buzz you know people talk about like kenny omega and the six stars and and the buzz that it got that fucking Super J Cup was a stepping stone for so many people getting into Japanese pro wrestling. 
Like, I, I really feel like that that's one of those anchor points that gets overlooked sometimes. And you go back to people my age and even younger, like, their first taste of Japanese pro wrestling was getting a tape of that fucking tournament. Um, and that's, you know, lot, you know, I read, I think I saw an interview or read somewhere where Liger, it was his wife that came up with the idea of this. His wife. Uh, Super Dolphin. Was a, she, she was a huge Super Dolphin fan. Um, and she was, she was one of the, she was a huge wrestling fan, apparently, and she, it was her idea for this tournament. I read that somewhere. So yeah, there you go. There's the, there's the, there's history, Damon, and what the Super uh, J Cup means to me. I keep wanting to say Super J Cash, by the way. <laughs> Every time. Uh, Achilles Blues says, do you have any strategies for avoiding spoilers for Royal Quest and Super J Cup, seeing as how they won't be on NJPW World until days or a week later? Mm-hmm. This is a tricky one, because having gone through it, I don't I would like to avoid spoilers for the Super J Cup because I'd like to watch those matches fresh, especially in a tournament where the excitement largely rests in who's going to go through each round. So I don't know. I might just go off the grid for a few days. I might, you know, avoid Twitter, avoid Discord, the Slack, get off the social media and wait until it's up. What do you think? Yeah. Actually, I don't have any problem with that. Sorry, I'm eating my bagel still. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, delicious. Um, as I swallow. Um, spoilers. See, I don't... I can go days without checking social media. And I, I know I'm... I'm abnormal in that. Like, I don't give a... Like, I, I go days without communicating to a human being. And I love it. <laughs> you think of kid, uh, I swear. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. A normal human being, yeah, yeah. Especially Super Jacob is going to be tough. Um, I look, just have have a little discipline, a little discipline. Hide your phone, put it away. You're gonna. Here's the thing. Either you go into it with, all right, I'm going to get spoiled, and I just know it, um, or just just don't just don't go on these things. You don't need them. Okay, I'm going to tell you flat out. I'm going to tell you flat out. You don't need it. Nobody cares what you're doing. You don't need to tweet. Your thoughts aren't that important. Keep it to yourself for three fucking days. <laughs> Stop posting Old man pictures. Yells at tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm done with my social media rant. Grand, grand, grandpa Damon. <laughs> also on this uh is, uh, maybe this is the, the Tacoma show. Washington, the Temple Theatre. First match, we have Carl Fredericks and Jushin Thunder Liger versus Ren Narita and Shota Umino. So people going to that show will see Jushin Thunder Liger in action, which brings us nicely onto the Liger section of today's podcast. Love it. Well, we have a few questions. Adam says, who's your dream opponent for Liger's last match? And Carl says, Damon, how would you feel about Liger's retirement match being a gauntlet match and bringing in a couple of his 90s opponents like mm-hmm. Otani and Takaiwa, and maybe Kanemoto and Kendo Kashin, and Sasuke, along with maybe a couple of young lines like Narita, maybe throwing a show and yo into the mix, and a couple of other current day juniors like Despi. Or are you thinking some sort of singles match for his retirement? Hmm. And uh, JDM says, would you rather see Liger face Tanahashi or Suzuki at Wrestle Kingdom 14, knowing that this means Liger's opponent will not have a title match? So your thoughts, please, on Liger's opponent coming up in Wrestle Kingdom. Not a lot, and here's the thing: not a lot of meaty speculation 
when it comes to that, right? We're not really hearing a ton of information, and it's all just kind of wish list want we what we want. And the Suzuki stuff was based off of the stuff that happened earlier in the year. Suzuki would be fun. That would be that would be fun. I think that has. I think both Suzuki and Tanahashi would be fun. I, it's while it's a, a high profile match. I don't know if I want to. And again, waste is a terrible word, but I don't know if I want to put Tanahashi in that spot. That would be a great match, though. Oh, how great would that be? Tanahashi seems to be the guy people want to work with, though, when they're out there. The Kushida, if you remember back. Um, who do I think it will be? I would not be surprised if it's Tanahashi. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if it's Suzuki. I thought we were getting Jericho versus Tanahashi. That's what everybody's saying. I don't know why. Why is everybody... Why? Because... Because they did that post-match beatdown thingy at Dominion, didn't they? Okay. I mean... So we're going to save that for wrestling? I don't know. Does anybody want to see Jericho against Tanahashi? And again, I don't want to see Jericho versus anyone anymore, (laughs) to be honest. I'm I'm okay with that not seeing that. I I hope not. I hope not. Um, I know this is going to ruffle feathers, maybe. I hope not. I hope it doesn't. And I mean this in, in, in a way that is, again, it's impossible to do. Again, but this is dream. So let's put that in, underline that bold face and put little arrows pointing to this is a dream scenario because there's a lot of things I had to discount and throw in the fucking bin to make this happen from a pure ugh, I don't want my stomach to turn seeing this guy but a dream would be Liger Benoit to see live um, I think those two were arguably the best juniors of all time um and and I think they had a, a great feud, one of the best junior feuds of all time. Um, so again, I, we all know why it's you know a dream, and even if it were possible, what I want you know, I, I I can't. There's a lot of talk with people, especially today, where where you're. You know, the old argument of, oh, well, you're able to to take the art away from the person, right? And I think, like, I get that a lot with uh, being a fan of the music of Morrissey, right? Um, Can I separate his recent talk and actions and just kind of head-scratching shit that he says past the music that will live with me forever? Um, I'm going to ask a question. I don't think there's any, there's no right or wrong answer with that one, isn't it? It's just purely down to your personal uh, take on it, isn't it? Because some people can separate the art from the artist. Some people can't. There's plenty of people who can't watch Chris Benoit matches anymore. And I totally get it. And there's, can I? Um, Hmm. I've never actually tried, to be honest. I think I could. I think I could separate the art from the artist, but 
again, this is not to say that if you can't, that you're wrong, or right. that if you can, you're wrong. There's no, I don't feel that there's a clear black and white with these sorts of situations. It's just, right. can you personally stomach it? Yeah. I, I will say this. I have probably watched maybe three Benoit matches in the past 50, you know, 10 years. Um, so, and I don't know if that's a conscious thing or not. I've never really thought about it. Um, but that would be my answer. Like, if I could strip away all the fucking madness that occurred with him and find a way to just bring him back in his prime in 1993, 94, and him and Liger uh, one more time, that would be a dream. That would be a that would be a wonderful dream. Arc White Flame says, when Liger retires, should Gato make him booker of the junior division like he was in the 90s so that Gato could focus on heavyweights more? Maybe even make the heavyweight tag division actually interesting. So... What do you think would be next for Liger after he retires? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's already a vocal voice in that. He might not be the official title. He might not have a, a name tag that says Jushin Thunder Liger, Junior Booker. But I, there's no one else in that, on that roster that has more say of a direction or or let's put it this way, at least he's a someone that Ghetto can can lean on in in those cases, you know? There's nobody there's nobody else that has seen more, experienced more from a junior's eyes than Liger. So it would be ridiculous to think that he doesn't have a voice in some of what goes on with those juniors. So um again, be the be the guy making the decisions. I don't know if he really wants to do that. That's a, that. Nobody's really asked him, what does he want to do after he hangs it up? Um, and I'm sure he'll be in the dojo because he practically lives there now anyway. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if he would even be interested in that. But again, I, I think I'm, he's got a, a very uh, strong voice when it comes to the direction of the juniors right now. All right, I'm quite excited now, David, because we can dig into some of our listener questions because there's an enormous backlog. And I'll try... Some people have got more than one question in the hopper, so I'll just try and take one question from each person and see how far we get before I get tired and want to go to bed. So, Nicole says, a lot of New Japan stars have been popping up in Defy lately. Any thought they could become the replacement to Ring of Honor? Now, I don't know much about Defy, so I'm going to have to lean on you for this one, Damon. What are your thoughts? Um... I'll give you a solid maybe. I don't again. It's it's even though it makes sense, and I think from a Western eye perspective, people are very quick to say, "Just dump them, just kick them to the curb, just um, go on and leave Rig of Honor behind." I don't think that there's any doubting that New Japan Pro Wrestling is trying to find ways to be tactful in severing this relationship. Um, And I think proof in the pudding is the buildings that they booked solo for these 
East Coast shows. If it's Defy, I don't know. It's hard to say. I think. I think at the end of the day, the Ring of Honor thing will dissolve. Where where that partnership will will reside, I don't know yet. It's kind of hard to say. It's definitely them. It, it, look, we might wake up in three days and be like AEW, right? We we might. Um, but but I think it's a safe bet to say that the Ring of Honor that that that's that's on its last leg. Jared says, since a lot of people think Jay White will be a mega babyface one day, how would you do the turn? Also, when do you think such a turn will happen? Are we talking years, given how young he is? Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of legs still left with the Jay White heel run because I think he is probably the best heel in the business today. Looking at the reactions that he got during the G1, particularly the G1 final, I just thought he did an outstanding job of that. So I would hold off on that for, I think, at least another couple of years. How would you do the turn? I think Gado would be a good instrument to do that. You know, maybe if Kenta's sticking around, you could have Kenta and Gado turning on Jay White and beating him up after he's lost a big match or something. Um, I think that would be the way to do it. Let me ask you this. Why do you think everyone says that the big money and a, and a, and a definite is him turning babyface? Why do, why do you think that is? He's very good looking and also the fact that he is somewhat hamstrung by being a heel in the style that he wrestles. I think if he were a pure babyface, then he would be able to shed some of the aspects of his in-ring game that I think a lot of casual mainstream fans find a bit of a barrier to entry. Okay. I mean, that's the most logical explanation I've gotten. Let's put it that way. Um, I don't think it's. I, I'm not 100% sold that it has. He has to turn babyface, and that's the end game with Jay White. I'm really not. I'm not 100% sold on it. It really depends on really how he does as a as a heel. And right now, I think he's taking advantage of a situation. He's you know he's between what people like to call that character work and the in ring work and being that fucking heel. I mean what. Meltzer gave that fucking match, what, six and six stars or some, you know, five and a half or whatever the fuck he gave it, right? Um, and you gave it five. And I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, and I want to speak for you, Joel, but it wasn't the greatest pro wrestling match you've ever seen, but it was the greatest, one of the greatest, greater performances by a heel face dynamic in a pro wrestling match, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm a big sucker for being emotionally invested in the match. The match having a big fight feel, and me, I don't even want to say like rooting for one guy to win over another. No, I think it is that. I think if the story's got me invested to the point where I'm sitting there cheering for one guy to beat the other one, then that's what I love about pro wrestling. And to me, that's what gets the jump to five stars, which is you know, my five star matches this year. Tanahashi versus Kenny Omega because I was cheering for Tanahashi to win. Right. Um, Osprey versus Shingo. I might bump that down to four and three quarters. I what? don't know. I'd have to go back and rewatch that. But at the time, at the time, it was a definite five. But um, was I? I don't. Maybe I wasn't 
cheering for one guy or the other. Other. I was cheering for Shingo. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so maybe that's not a hard and fast rule for my five stars, but uh, definitely that was the case for uh, Ibushi versus Jay White. So, to me, being emotionally invested is a huge factor, and Jay White is really good at doing that. Sure is. He sure fucking is. So again, I I, I throw that out there. If, if you know, again, a, a lot of people like. Here's what a lot of people like to do too. You'll hear one person mention it. You know, one person says, you know, I think, you know, the end game is is Jay White being a babyface. And, you know, they, they bring some, some de- decent points. And then you hear a lot of regurgitation of that thought in in the in the pro wrestling stratosphere, right? Um, so it's, Yeah, again, I think there's a lot of that with the, oh, the pro wrestling discourse, isn't it? It's just oh people God. watching stuff and thinking, okay, what is going to be the most acceptable or popular take here? I'll wait and see what everyone else is saying, and then I'm going to say that, rather than giving honest right. gut reactions to things. Yep, I agree. And again, I, I like well-thought-out things, don't get me wrong, but yeah, there is a lot of that, oh, let's see what this person says. Look, I'm not... There are plenty of times, Joel, that I'll see online things that I know you have said, flat out you have said, and I'll be somewhere and I'll see pretty much that same thought. And again, you can have the same, you know, I'm not saying that we're, we're, you know, solving the the meaning of life with this podcast, but yeah, it is weird. Like, ah, that was Joel's thought or my thought or, oh, I know Lanza said that for, you know what I mean? And it's, or, or, you know, I know I heard that, Crates say that, or I know I heard that somewhere else. It's just weird how that fucking happens, where it's like, okay, get a fucking thought in your own head, you crumbs. Yeah, that's why I enjoyed doing the live reaction to the G1 finals last Monday, because there wasn't any time for that. And sometimes I think uh, I do get subconsciously influenced by people whose opinions I respect. I do. It's not like I'm, I'm like, oh, I've got to find out what these people say so I can again, regurgitate their opinions and steal their takes. But when I listen to people that I respect, I, I take things on board. So I didn't get a chance to do that for the G1 final. So that was nice for me to just watch the match and think, fuck it, that's a five-star match and explain why. Yep, yep. I think it's good, but sometimes it, it does become information overload, doesn't it? And and it's, okay, that's a good point. Oh, that's a good point. And that's a good point. And all these good points start muddling just what you think. Right. And, and and there are times where I, I don't have a problem being wrong. I'm wrong all the fucking time. Um, but I'd rather listen, I'd rather someone who listens to this show know that this is Damon's thoughts. And whether it's dumb as a fucking brick or whether it's, oh, my God, this is this is exactly how I feel. Or it's, um, oh, my God, I never really thought of that. That's a new that's a new angle. Whatever it is, they know that it's coming from Joel and Damon. You know what I mean? That's important to me as opposed to, oh, that's a that's a rehashed, um, I don't know, I'm just going to, uh, Brian Alvarez take, you know? I, I, that's the last thing I would want to have happen. Yeah, it's just a shame that there's an environment now on social media where if you have an opinion that other people don't agree with, a lot of people just actively shit on you for that, which... Yeah. I think leads some people to, and again, I can't bury them for that, to be a bit wary before they declare their opinions because there is that thought that am I going to get 
ridicule for this one, which oh, is stupid. Oh, I guarantee stupid. you. Like, so, there's been so many things where I've seen like these heated arguments, people insulting each other online. I'm like, fucking hell, this is just, you're a bunch of nerds arguing about Japanese pro wrestling on the internet. You're all nerds. There's no winner here. We're, yeah. we're all losers. Do you know <laughs> right. what I mean? Well, I'm right. getting a hair oh, job you, in the Tokyo You Tokyo like this person. Speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> you like this wrestler. I think this wrestler's bad. It's just, yeah. we, we really lack perspective a lot of the time. You know what like, it is? <laughs> people people want to win. People just want to win. And you see it everywhere. Like, I, I, I hate to go down this road, but you see it in, in, in this country that I live in. Where it's, it's not like we're all in this together. It's it's amazing. I don't understand. Like we all are in this together, and why does it have to be? And I know this might be Pollyanna-ish, but it's like, why does there have to be? There's always a winner. Like my side won. Like politics. Like my side won, and my views won, and my my agenda won. And it's not that it's like I don't understand that it's like this is you're not this is not your like everybody has this fucking football mentality of my team has to win, and it's like dude yeah and it's, it's permeated wrestling talks because if New Japan do something that we think is shit we'll say yeah this was shit we didn't like it but there's just certain subsections where if you criticize the promotion that they like then they all just come out in force and just defend them whatever it is and there's just no room for nuance or to be able to say look i love this promotion i love their product but yeah you know what this thing that they did was bad right but i will also say this there is sometimes all that overthinking drives me nuts like like Sometimes you're looking at the atom instead of the entire being. You know what I mean? Like it's like okay, you don't have to dissect. And we're doing a podcast about New Japan Pro Wrestling, just FYI. But you don't have to. It like like not everything has to be super nuanced. It can be just that the sky is blue and and accept that, right? And and you don't have to sit there and fucking pick away at the fact that, well, it's really not blue. It's really every other color bouncing off the sky. Okay, we get it. The sky's blue. Shut up. Sometimes it does drive me nuts. So I, I, that, and, and I will say this. A lot of times, that's where I kind of tap out. It's like I can't fucking deal with this over-picking and analyzing of it. And again, I sit here and I do a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. So. Fuck me! All right, very good. What else we got? What other questions? It, we got a couple good ones. Uh, Ian says, pants up or down for a possible Jay White and Kenta tag team? We can call them the Dickheads Club. So, Ian, that would be my way of getting to the Jay White babyface turn because you have this Dickhead Club tag team and then uh, maybe they lose a big match and then Kenta and Gato attack Jay White afterwards. Um, <laughs> Damon, any thoughts on the Dickheads Club or should we move on? I thought that was the name of our podcast. Vavumsh. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, Mike says, can you remember another time when the junior champion, uh, Osprey, pinned someone who was the heavyweight champion earlier in the calendar year, Tanahashi? Does this speak more to Osprey's rise or further underline Tana's passing of the torch? And Liam did point out on the Discord that Devitt pinned yeah. the champion Okada in 2013. So um, in context, Osprey pinning Tanahashi, how can we contextualize this? Is it... Just a, a little moment. 
is this more about Osprey's rise or Tanner's downfall, or is it the two things meeting somewhere in the middle? I think it's, I think again, I don't think it's this is a torch passing, right, in the traditional sense, but I think this is this. I, I talked about it last week, where I really felt like this was a match where Tanahashi's going to bring you in to here's how we work epic pro wrestling style matches. Um, the fact that Tanahashi lost is saying something. I mean, what was that? Two thousand? You said two thousand thirteen? That was with Devitt. Yep. Okay. So that's you know five years ago, six years ago. So um, it doesn't happen often. It's not like uh, things like these fall, fall from a tree. And it and in six years in pro wrestling terms is a fucking lifetime. So um, I think it is. I think it is very significant. I think it is very important on the rise of Will. I don't think it's necessarily means that Tanahashi's one hundred percent on his way down. Just from that one moment, I think that plays into it a little bit. But I think it's more of a behind the curtain, here's here, here's what you need to learn to help bring this company to new levels moving forward. I'm going to give you two long-form questions here about Naito. Miffy says, I know this has been a topic several times now over the last couple of years, but it bears fresh discussion given the current situation. Is Naito's career lessened? by not getting the definitive run with a heavyweight belt, or is he just fine without it? I suppose this goes into the philosophical take of whether or not somebody is a star without the belt. To me, Naito simply does not need it. I wasn't very into him during his first big Stardust Genius push when his match with Okada was voted down, but he won me over with his LIJ persona to the point that I don't even really care whether he gets the title or not. He's entertaining and a star in his own right, massively over, and can main event without a title even. I suppose this is also a question about whether or not the title is considered a vehicle to get talent more over or a reward for established stars. Do we stop caring about Naito matches if we think he'll never get the big run? I, for one, won't, but I'm curious as to what your thoughts are. And second question by Mixelplix is, is it possible that we as fans might have misinterpreted what form Naito's ultimate redemption could take? Seems to me that to have the fans come to love Naito so much that they would vote his intercontinental match into the main event of Wrestle Kingdom over the heavyweight briefcase match might be more germane to the nature of the original slight that created Los Ingobernables Naito rather than, uh, than actually winning the heavyweight title would be. It was the fact that the fans didn't love him enough to want him in the main event that broke Naito's heart after all, not his in-ring successes or lack thereof. Admittedly, I don't know what form that would take with a two-night event this year, but I imagine a storyteller of Gado's calibre could come up with something. He could always win the title at Dominion. So what are your thoughts, Damon, on Tetsuya Naito? Does he need that definitive run? All right, let me, let me, let me position it this way. You're a pro wrestler. And your end goal is to, at the end of your career, is to make as much money as you can and with the least amount of injuries that you possibly can have. At the end of the day, that is every pro wrestler's ultimate goal. True or false, Joel? Uh, they're putting, trying to put smiles on faces, Damon. Oh, my bad. Right. <laughs> right. You trying point. to tell stories. Tell stories. Right. Okay. Uh, the, that aside, uh, the at the at the top of the mountain is I need to make as much money as I can, and be as injury free as possible. Now, I don't know about the money thing because if that was the case, then you'd see everyone signing with WWE, wouldn't you? I think there's a balance to be struck between 
earning money and also being creatively fulfilled and other intangibles. So I think money's a big part of it, but okay. there's more to it than that. Let's talk about the people who left WWE. I would say, by and large, those people were financially secure, right? Jericho, um, Cody. Jericho, Cody. Dean. Moxley. TJP. Pack. Am I missing anyone? Can't think of anyone else at the top of my head. Somewhat financially secure, right? If, if, they, if they were smart with their money, right? Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like fucking, you know, Whoever I'm uh, like, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody who's not financially who wouldn't be who's just like low in the pecking order is leaving. My point being is this: while yes, creativity and all that, they wouldn't have left if they thought I'm going to make less money. I'm going to be I'm going to be very blunt. I don't think they would have left if they thought they were going to make less money. Cody, Cody had a pretty good idea that he was going to make more money than he did in the WWE and be happier and be whatever. But it took him seven – I mean, between developmental and all – I mean, how long was he in WWE before he decided that uh, this is not for me? He saved his money, and then he left, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. I'm thinking so the, what? Is, so the, the, the WWE – eight until – Around 2016, I want to yeah. say. I think that's when he, he quit. That's a lot of paychecks. A lot of paychecks to, to store in the bank, right? To then be able to say, oh, I want creative freedom. You know what I want, Joel? I want to be able to do this fucking podcast 24-7, right? To get on and do it anytime I want, right? Get you and why don't we do that? Because we're not financially secure enough to be able to do that, right? But if I had WWE money for 10 years... And I saved. Maybe I could say, okay, that's the end goal. I have enough money in the bank so that I could take that risk. Now, his risk paid off big time, right? And I would say uh, Moxley, Will, Jericho did, right? So a lot of these guys, you know, they were smart with their money, saved, and they, they were able to, to, to do what they wanted to do creatively. My point being is this. For Naito... If you think that his end goal isn't being the top guy in the promotion, you're nuts. If you think he's the guy that's like, uh, I'm okay taking a back seat. I'm okay being second, third fiddle. You're nuts. Because there's something inside every pro wrestler. Like, let's, you, people forget about the, indiv the, the individualistic personality that you have to have to be a pro wrestler here's a news flash pro wrestlers are into one thing what's best for them and their family period right if 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 the promotion is bettered by me doing well great but know that at the end of the day they care about themselves Right, because because I hate to to break the bad news to you too. At the end of the day, a pro wrestling promotions historically have given zero fucks about the talent. 
And if you're going to come to me with, oh, you, okay, insurance, you know, <laughs> travel, bounce checks. That's how they were brought up in this business. They, these people cut their teeth with that, right? Knowing that this is what pro wrestling is. Naito wants to be the champion. Why? Because he wants to make the most money and be the head of and the fig and you know the the face of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Why? Because it's going to better. I think his we career. might be conflating the uh, the real life Tetsuya Naito, the performer, and the character Ellen Gobernable Tetsuya Naito. I, I suspect the question was more talking about kayfabe Naito and whether kayfabe or not Naito wants to win the title too. Why wouldn't he? Yeah, okay, that, that's fair. But do you I mean, think he needs that the definitive run to? Uh, well, do, do you who? think he needs it basically for his character or for his real life being his popularity? Uh, look, I I said it before. How do you, I mean? Do you think Goto had a huge fame? But maybe not as big as Naito's now, but. There's probably a time where Goto was a was a pretty big popular guy in New Japan Pro Wrestling. You think he still has that same vocal, adamant fan base? No, I suspect a lot of that dwindled after you know he did the big thing challenging Okada, did the body paint, which has got a lot of symbolic significance in Japan, and then just lost and looked like a massive geek. Yeah, look. And join chaos. Afterwards. Here's the thing: the worst thing that'll happen is, yeah, and then join chaos. Right. The worst thing that could possibly happen is apathy. Uh, uh, the worst thing that could possibly happen is, uh, all right, I'll give you, a, I'll give you an Americanized version. Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler. Does anybody give a flying fuck about Dolph Ziggler at this point? And I'm not saying Naito would turn into fucking Dolph Ziggler by any stretch. Please don't get me wrong, but. Do you remember that one fucking Raw after WrestleMania where he beat Del Rio for that title? Yeah, he cashed in his money in the bank yeah. and that arena just absolutely exploded. Lost their shit. There was, I mean, you know, and again, we're talking about two completely different promotions. I get it. But, you know, it can happen where you just fucking now it's like, who gives a fuck about Dolph Ziggler? Right? I don't care if he got seven more world title runs. He's just, he's a fucking geek. Look, he's Naito is is a super popular, very important piece of the New Japan pro wrestling puzzle. No doubt about it. If I'm a fan, I would... Here's the thing. I'm not in that Los Ingobernables fandom passionate I'm not I'm not in that as an I'm I'm saying as an outsider looking in you got a very vocal very heavy very I mean it's a huge fan base that eventually they, they they're, they're going to need a payoff and I can't imagine it, it not happening but right now it's not so you know here's what it is Tyler says, was the booking of Bad Luck finally this G1 Ghetto's way of acknowledging he has regressed as a wrestler and also protecting him, presenting him as a more crafty veteran wrestler? Um, I mean, the year before it was all DQ. I mean, let's be honest, the, the past three years, it's been a lot of smoke and mirrors would follow. So you can't, 
you, you can't expect him to be in G1s much longer. Is he a monster? Yeah. Is he a, you know, a, a, an imposing force in Bullet Club? Sure. And he can be that guy for a long time. I just think here's what G1 does. G1 exposes lots of flaws in people, right? It really does shine a very bright light on the flaws that people have. Uh, and it's something that you you don't need Fale in G1, right? He could still be a monster. He could still be a presence. He could still be a, an imposing heel, but he doesn't have to be the guy who is a dangerous threat in G1 anymore, especially with the performances in the past couple of years. I'm going to give one more for Tyler because we love Tyler. I love he Tyler. posted a photo that was from uh, Jericho's Instagram and is a photo of him at the gym with a caption, Welcome to Painmaker Palace. And he says, Could this be possible foreshadowing for an Okada Jericho rematch, possibly King of Pro Wrestling or Power Struggle? I do think they're going to go back to that at some point because they, I forget who said it, but basically there's unfinished business there. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that at the new beginning in Osaka Joe again. Do you want to see that again? No, I already said earlier, I, I think Jericho in New Japan has run its course. I don't want to see it at all. Um, and I know there's, I guess it's a question of New Japan deciding, is it diminishing returns given what his fees are and what they think they can extract by way of uh, Western interests? But no, I don't want to see it anymore. I don't want to see him wrestling in the company again. Like To me, my interest is done. But do I think they're going to go back to it? I think there's a real possibility, yeah. You can't discount the fact that he made that company money, lots of it, with that first Omega match. I'm curious to see what return on New Japan's investment there is in Chris Jericho. Um, again... Every match has been really good, minus that last Okada match, um, because I don't think people want to see a a wild brawl with Okada, and that's where that's where I'm hesitant with Tanahashi, because do I want to see that wild brawl with Tanahashi? <laughs> Does Tanahashi really want to go through that bullshit? Um, no, I'm I'm kind of okay if I if if that that ship has sailed with Jericho. Uh, I hope not. I hope it's not foreshadowing, uh, Tyler. To be quite honest with you. I hope it's not. But I'm going to say no. I'm going to say it's not foreshadowing. Period. John Carroll says, I just played Mahjong for the first time, so I have two questions for China resident Joel. Have you ever played Mahjong before? And if so, I guess talk about it, especially if you have gambled. And um, which New Japan wrestlers definitely love them some Mahjong? I've never played it before. I have. I remember once. What is uh, it? I don't even know. What it is. Re- it's like a. a board game with tiles with like dominoes little drawings on them kind of yeah and i was walking in in the rain through a little residential area and looked into i guess it was a mahjong parlor seeing all these uh, local residents older people all sat around playing mahjong together and they looked like they're having a great time and now that you've asked the question john i really would like to learn so i have reached out to my people here and hopefully we'll get someone to teach me Mahjong and we'll play it and get back to you and answer your question in full. But unfortunately, I, I've got nothing for you right now, but that will be a long-term goal for me. Uh, six, Carl six says... Months, wait, wait, so wait, six, six months from now, Joel goes in, 
I, I, I have to announce I lost my house. I have, I've destitute. <laughs> or, no, <laughs> my uh, left I'm going to be doing a Mahjong podcast. Oh. The okay. Super Mahjong cast. <laughs> nice. Now we're talking. All right. Good. Uh, Carl says, have either Joel or Damon seen Shinjiro Otani versus Kazushi Sakuraba, which is on New Japan World and is freaking awesome? Any thoughts on Otani and Sakuraba and their New Japan careers? Also, does Ren Narita remind you guys of a young Otani? Mm. I liked Otani back in the day. He was just one of those fucking pricks. Uh, I didn't see that match specifically, or maybe I did, but I just I don't remember it. Um, Sakuraba in New Japan. There's, there's a name for you, for you uh, chaos fans. Um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the star appeal of Kazushi Sakuraba pretty much responsible for Enochism? Because Enoki saw the appeal of a guy like Sakuraba who had that cross sport appeal because he was a big star in mixed martial arts and also became a star in pro wrestling. And then he thought that was the blueprint and the model to have a popular professional wrestler. I, th- I think that was a piece. I don't think, I mean, look, again, Anoki's always had that fascination with being a legit, having a pro wrestler be a quote unquote legit fighter, right? So, I mean, he's had, um, he's had those mixed martial arts, those, or should I say those matches with judo and boxers and all that stuff that, that helped carve a path we'll say to what eventually turned into you know Maeda turn, breaking away and Takata and 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 all those guys form UWF and then UWFI and all that you know both instances of UWF which you know at the time was was massive um so there's always been that little bit of fascination within the pro wrestling world when it came to the guys who could really go and, and the guys who um, were going to work shoot style matches to kind of prove their legitimacy. Sakuraba was huge. Um, and I, and I'm not a huge MMA guy. So, so I could, there's probably people that would be able to best answer this better than I, but even Suzuki, Suzuki was a guy who was, was really hot when it came to MMA. Like I used to get Japanese wrestling magazines and I would always see, like Suzuki and who's the other guy? Fu- Funaki? What? Not Funaki. Um, what the fuck was this guy's name? But I would always see these guys on the Fujita? covers of the. Huh? Not Who? Fujita. Because you uh, No, Fujita. that would be later. Yeah, that would be later. This yeah. would be in like, like the late, early the like mid nineties. I would get these, um, and they would have a lot of like stuff from the a promotion rings. And UWFI and all. Um, anywho, um, Sakuraba. So, I mean, my first taste of Sakuraba was probably mostly due to those Gracie matches, right? And and again, my limited knowledge of Sakuraba was Sakuraba wasn't really a, a big star until he kind of, I don't want to say squeaked out a win, but he got a win over one of the Gracie guys. And then, then they had the big match at the Tokyo Dome that went like what fucking seven hours or some nonsense, and that's where you know the Gracie Killer thing kind of took off. Um, uh, again, I, I, I can't look having Sakuraba there 
is a huge feather for Anoki because it kind of checks all his boxes of what he wanted. He wanted that he knew that the pro wrestling quote unquote was kind of taking a back seat to MMA, which was red hot with pride and, and, and everything else. Um, and he wanted a piece of that. So to be able to grab onto Sakuraba in some way helped tremendously. I, I think he went a little bit overboard in that to the detriment of his pro wrestlers. But again, that's a story for, for, for another day. Sakuraba, his time in New Japan, look, he's going to go down as the guy. His, his best moment was him against Suzuki at the Tokyo Dome. Because, you know, Erica is telling me stories about people that, you know, guys that were next to him that were just pissing their pants, excited, because this was a dream matchup. This was a, you know, that, that should have happened 10 years earlier, but it was a dream matchup. And, and there, were, there was a huge portion of that audience in the Tokyo Dome that were there. You know, we just started talking about soccer, or excuse me, um, uh, Kenta and Shibata, and how that... Th- that's where I kind of see this, you know, Sakuraba and, and Suzuki. Like, if we're going to do Kenta and Shibata, to me, that, that almost feels like that that kind of match. Um, but that's where, that to me, that's where he's, from, from a New Japan Pro Wrestling perspective, that's Sakuraba's shining moment. Spicy Raj says, Damon, I've got to ask, do you really believe Naito would leave New Japan. He may never get his moment in the sun, but he's also who he is today and as over as he is today due to New Japan. He doesn't owe them the rest of his career, but he's also stating... Let's stop there. Let's be honest here. He... Stardust genius? Talk to Stardust genius Naito and see if he would say the same thing. He went to Mexico and reinvented himself and brought that back and said, okay, we're going to do this. And the company was like, okay. Right? I'm going to let you do what you want to do. But talk to Stardust Genius about New Japan Pro Wrestling and how much of a platform they had him succeed. Let, let me finish the question. He says he's also stated going all out for three years rather than coast for 10. That just sounds like him saying he's living the rest of he's living out the rest of his career in New Japan. I don't see him going to WWE or AEW do you think he'd go to another promotion in Japan he can go to another company and win the world title but do you think he would really enjoy that nearly as much as enjoying it in a place like New Japan can't answer that I mean you'd have to ask him but I, I'll tell you flat out that if if you're looking at pro wrestler Naito and not Los Ingobernables Naito you I don't know. You, it's. I find it hard to believe that he is happy, if in fact that he has any knowledge of him being a number two guy. I I just find it very hard to believe. Could he go somewhere well, else? Not. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, could he go somewhere else and be the, a number one guy? Look, I. I don't. <laughs> On the surface, going to all Japan or going to big Japan or doing the indie tours of, of Japan, would that be as financially beneficial to his career? Probably not. But could it possibly ignite those other promotions 
I would think it would. It would help it ignite and, and make those promotions even better, right? And more interest and more eyeballs. Look, I don't think anybody in their right mind, four months before Nakamura left, thought Nakamura would ever leave or that would ever be a scenario we would see. And it happened. When that happened, to me, all bets were off. And he absolutely could go, if he wanted to, to any U.S. promotion, and they take him tomorrow. It's not a problem, though, because he's going to win um, both titles on January 5th next year, so don't worry about it. Uh, (laughs) QQAAXX says... Would Juice be getting more praise if he was active on social media? There isn't as much value in tweeting about Juice compared to, say, Osprey. Uh, I don't think that's a big factor, personally. Nope. I think he's. I think he's the smartest guy. I think he's super smart. I like the fact that you don't know every dumb thought in his head. I like the fact that he's not out at two o'clock in the morning, you know, with four beers in him, you know, blindly tweeting nonsense. I like the fact that there is some mystery. I like the fa- I like it when there's mystery. I like a little mystery to a person. I don't need to know everything about him. I need I don't need to know every dumb thought rattling around in their head. Yeah, I think he's the smartest guy. Look, not in any trouble. Stays out of trouble. He's you know you don't hear any nonsense about juice. It's good. Smart. He's a good, he's a he's a smart guy. Doesn't need the social media to hype up shit. He's fine just as is. Xavier says, has Damon ever tried virtual reality and would he be willing to go on a virtual space adventure? And Xavier links to an article about No Man's Sky uh, being converted to the VR system. So have you ever tried it before? Because I'd thought about it. Um, I've seen Resident Evil 7 was a game that I loved but also terrified me. And I've seen some people playing it in VR and I don't think I would ever do that because I think I would literally shit my pants. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think I could do it for a horror game. But uh, what are your I, thoughts? I want I want the Riley Reed virtual reality. Is what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's course. what I'm talking about. Um, it's like Blade Runner. Let me ask you this: Would you ever do virtual reality porn? Yeah, I'd try it. I'd try Definitely. it too. I think it'd be fucking wild. I'd try it. But here's the thing. Could you imagine getting caught jacking off with those fucking goggles on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like there's, there's, there are levels of, of I just want to crawl into a corner and die. That would be one of them. Like, oh, I got my goggles on. I'm going to go whack it. You know what I mean? And it does seem like it's a... <laughs> it depends it's, who's catching me. <laughs> right, right. Okay, good point. I don't know. It just seems like... Because um, if it's my wife, she's probably like, oh, this shit again. Uh, she's probably like, great, I'm going shopping. Bye. Um, <laughs> it's, um, I don't know. It just seems like a lot going on. There is something to be said about just the standard old-fashioned get things done in and out the door in five seconds. Um, as opposed to, you got to strap on this fucking, go- I don't even know how it works. It's like you put on this goggle, and it's like, I guess there's earbuds too, right? Um, like you don't put anything on your cock, do you? No, I don't think so. I think it's uh, just audio-visual. Okay. All right. But is it like... I guess it's like like from the camera view, I guess. I don't know. I would do it. I would try it. I would try it. Somebody send me it. Somebody send me goggles so I can jack off. 
Fucking Christ. All right, very good. Goodbye. Okay, uh, let's see. Mark says, what is your guys' favourite G1 moments ever? My favourite is Kenny using Bloody Sunday and the Stars Clash into the finish to beat Goto. Mm. Well, I was at one of the G1s. I was at G1 25. Um, and I was at Corkin when Honma beat Ishii. And he, fi- you know, he finally got a win. And that was rocking. That was fun. Um, and then the next two nights at Sumo, it's like AJ and is it, what was it? AJ Tanahashi and uh, Okada Nakamura. And everybody thought Nakamura was winning this. Just FYI, people. Everybody thought Nakamura was winning this. And that was the one Tanahashi won. Um, that was fun. That was, that, I mean, that's pretty memorable. I guess being there, it's cheating, but um, that was one. I like the Sabo, Do- Sabo Dome one. I like that whole show. I like that a lot. Um, that, that was, those were pretty good. Um, I remember Carl Anderson having a real good tournament one year. I think it was 14 or 13. That was, that was pretty memorable. I remember that a lot. Um, even the early ones, like, like you know, you, you go back and you think about the first couple of G1s, you know, some of the fucking names that were in it, you know, Steve Austin's in it. And, uh, I think Arn Anderson was in it. Rick Rude. Right. Um, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, thinking about all those old ones, the Hashimoto ones and Muda ones. Look, G one's great. I, I, the idea that they're able to do this every, every year is pretty tremendous. And there's nothing in pro wrestling like it. I'm, I love it every year. It's just so great. Will CMM says, Joel, how does it feel to know the highlight of Arsenal's season was Spurs not winning the Champions League in the worst game ever? And how does it feel to be overtaken by Everton for a sixth next season? Moyes is better than Emery. Also, how long do you get for summer? I get five weeks now for teaching English in England. I reckon something is going wrong here. Yeah, I got two months this summer and I think that's standard for, well, uh, the school that I work at. Um, So you should move to an international school, Will, um, (laughs) where you'll be appreciated for the work that you do. And uh, not driven into the grounds uh, before you hit the age of 30. Um, yeah, it was not a good season for Arsenal last year. Um, I thought we actually, I thought we did okay, but it just kind of fell apart towards the end. I think the squad was stretched to its limits. And yeah, I'm pretty ashamed of the fact that Spurs were so clearly ahead of us. Um, and even again this year, the fact that we're not competing in the Champions League and Spurs are is still pretty galling. So, um, yeah, they're, they're better than us at the moment. I don't know what else I can say. But um, I'm not sure about being overtaken by Everton. I don't think that's going to happen because I think we have made some smart signings in the summer. We've had a decent start so far. And I think there's a good chance we could get top four this year. And I don't think Everton are going to finish above us. So that's my two cents there. David, anything you want to add or should I go on to the next one? Um, so what, or what do you think you're going to – you don't think you – think, you, think, you, think, you think you're going to be top four this year, correct? Yeah, I do. I think it's between us and Man United for fourth spot. I think top three is likely to be City, Liverpool and Spurs again. I think we're better than United. I think we could beat United to fourth. I don't think Chelsea are going to be in the mix as they were last year. 
I'd say there's a chance we could finish above Spurs, but I think more likely scenario is that we pip United to fourth spot. How's is it Leicester? Leicester they won the the, the league a couple of years ago. Yep. Have they just fallen apart? Yeah. Or is it just like a stroke of luck no, that they got no. this? Or? It, it was a stroke of, of luck, but they didn't fall apart. I think they are a, a solid upper mid-table side. Okay. How's Swansea? Is Swansea still in it? Nope. Ah. No, they've been relegated? They've got relegated. Oh. Yes. I just like saying Swansea. Swansea. I wonder, I wonder <laughs> if we have any, do we have any listeners in Swansea? Oh, if we had a listener in Swansea, I'd wear, I'd wear their colors with pride. Somebody send me a fucking Swansea hat. I'd fucking wear that thing every day. And have people come up to me and be like, what the fuck is a Swansea? I'd be like, ugh, you don't know? Fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get in touch with us, Swansea yeah. listeners. Yeah. Um, the Mighty Car says, I got a kick out of listening to you guys react to the G1 block announcements in real time a few weeks back. Have you ever considered doing a watch along to a big match? Um, I don't know. Do you think that would be good? I mean... We tried. Oh, never mind. Let's <laughs> say we tried something. Um, <laughs> uh, one day we'll get that story out. One day. Um, I don't know. Do you think somebody would like? Well, I mean, this person liked it. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's our wheelhouse. To be honest with you. Yeah, I, ju- I just feel personally. I feel very inarticulate. I don't. I don't think there's any value or traction in just watching people react to things. Right. I think the strengths of this podcast is the fact that we can think about things and put them in context and give our opinions on them and discuss them and break them down and not just react to stuff and go, oh, this happens. Um, Right. Yeah, those are my thoughts. Right. I don't want this to turn into a fucking YouTube video where, you know, for the first time I'm looking at Metallica, you know. Who fucking cares? Ugh, I hate. Do you do you know those videos I'm talking about? Those reaction videos. I tell you what, we, yeah, I know. We should do that. Let's get the selfie stick and record ourselves oh. through both Wrestle Kingdoms. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like ten hours. Watch yeah. Joel and Damon react to things. Yeah, of of phony and fake reactions. Phony and because you know what I've noticed too. It's like, um, and I hate to talk about them again, but I'm going to talk about them again. WWE, like they're they're they love getting the crowd shot. Of the of the twenty something year old with their hands over their mouth, like oh, 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 stop it with your fake reactions, ugh, dopes. I hate people. Right. My wife just pulled in the truck. My, my least like, favorite were people reacting to things on Game of Thrones, like showing footage from a bar of people reacting to uh, characters dying in Game of Thrones. Like that is just the absolute lowest common denominator for you. people who participate on upload videos like that should be fired into the sun yeah i mean this but that's that's the world we live in though i mean everybody's got a camera you know what i mean so everybody's like if anything bad happens people don't help people people film people you know what i mean like that's the that's the reaction people have black mirror isn't it what's that have you seen black mirror the movie no is that what it is it's a tv series yeah okay but that's, you know, what somebody gets on a motorcycle. But, bad, but too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, go on, ahead. Somebody gets on a motorcycle accident. You know, they're not helping the guy. They got their phone out, you know, filming the wreckage. Like, come on. What the fuck world do we live in? All right, move on to the next question. Then uh, 
Dweeb says, with Japan hosting the Olympics in 2020 and with that also coinciding with a 30 of the G1 tournament, do you see G1 Climax 30 being a worldwide tournament with legs in America, England and Japan? And uh, Jerry says, do we know yet if the Olympics in Japan next year will impact the G1? And if so, then what will New Japan have to do to work around it? Um, That's a great question. Yeah, this is something... Yeah, we had discussed this with people that we know. And yeah, from our understanding, there were different avenues that might be explored. Yeah. Whether it was you know going back to the States or going to other countries... Or shuffling things around a bit, I do feel that we might see some changes. Yeah, I think it'll look a little bit different than what people are, are accustomed to when it comes to G1. And again, from a logistics thing, you know, they just got to. The, the, the problem is that the Olympics, and I'm not Mr. Olympics, don't get me, I, you know, but it's it's not like it's like one weekend, right? It's It's a couple weeks worth of shit. Plus, the security and the the infrastructure and getting the city ready. I mean, we're talking about Tokyo here, kids. This is not, you know, this is a very large city with millions of people already in it with more expected, you know, with the travel of, of that. And this, again, has, if anybody's ha- had to cover or be involved, the security is nuts for a Olympic event. Um. I was in London for the Olympics. Did you know that, Joel? Yeah. Summer was. I did not know that. No, I was. I wasn't there the whole time, but toward the end, um, the hotel that I stayed with, the marathon ran right by it. So I would go out, and I would just walk right up to the to the front where the you know the barricades were. See people run, go back up to my hotel, uh, and I would hear the helicopters. It was right, I would, my hotel is right off of Trafalgar Square. Um, and I would hear the helicopters be like, oh, they must be getting close. And I would watch it on TV and then go back downstairs and watch. It's pretty awesome. I mean, just to see an Olympic event was pretty fucking crazy. But I went to go see uh, – like I had a client in um, in London, and uh, I coincided the trip then. And then most importantly was uh, Blur was at High Park, so I had to see that. So um, that, was, that was really the gist of the trip. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be tough. For New Japan, but I, and I want to be surprised if uh, there's more outside of the country of Japan to start off, or you know, where, wherever the the Olympics fall. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it looks a little bit different than what people are used to. Violence Giving says on night one, Wrestle Kingdom main, isn't it going to be Jericho Tanahashi? It seems too big a match for them to burn on a power struggle semi main with a briefcase defense presumably in the mix too. So I presume they'd be doing a longer build like they did for the Naito match at Dominion last year. Yeah, I think we covered this already. I do think we'll see Jericho Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Liam says, was Naito losing in the block finals worth it to make Jay White and Kota Ibushi? My personal answer here is absolutely without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I did, yeah, yeah we, we did discuss this last week. I think whilst I was shocked and maybe a little upset about Naito losing, it did really bring a lot of heat and drama into the G1 final that did both JY and Ibushi a lot of good. Yep. And again, I think the proof is going to be in the pudding as we see gates and numbers and, and how they help strengthen the company. But, you know, I think you shoot Jay White and Ibushi into the stratosphere with, with that match. Um, and, and truth be told, 
they they could have gone with the easy thing and but they didn't and i think in the process in hindsight they may have made two guys stronger than they ever could if they went the other direction next question from Anana Marak says, what did you guys think of Shota's time with Moxley so far? I thought he wrestled more heelish and had a bit more edge to himself. I love watching young lions get better and better every day. I hope somehow Shota spends his excursion with Moxley. I might be the only one, David, but I'm a bit sick of this Shota and Moxley. It was kind of cute and funny at first, but just I think it's run its course. Is it just me? Yeah, you're a grouch. I loved it. I still love it. I think it's, uh, I don't know, I like the idea of just a young, naive, deer in headlights, young lion, and Moxley, this maniac. You know, they're probably doing coke backstage. <laughs> poor, poor Shota. Uh, just kidding. Just kidding, of course. Uh, but, you know, I, I like that idea. And I like the idea as, as it went on in, you know, his time there. You know, he's first maybe as a T-shirt, then he got uh, the, the leather jacket, right? A little upgrade. I like it. I thought it was fun. I I had not only did I have zero problems with it, I actually uh actively enjoyed it. I think it was good. Well, I enjoyed it at the time, but I think I've had enough of it now. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think you still keep them together when he's there, but no, nah, I like it. Keep them together. Come on. Come on. Stick it out. Stick it out, Joel. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mikey Javi says, just curious, Joel and Damon, do your wives have a favorite New Japan wrestler? My wife doesn't really watch New Japan, but she always makes time for a Zack Sabre Jr. match. Um, no, my wife, just her eyes glaze over when <laughs> there's any talk oh, of real. wrestling. Uh, I will say this, though. She does know some of the entrance scenes because I would often sort of be whistling them or humming them to myself. So if I do like the first few chords of the uh, the Naito, the Stardust theme then she could sort of hum along with it, but she's got no idea what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine knows names, but she has nicknames for everybody. Um, she calls Abushi Bieber. She calls um, uh, Tanahashi Superhero. She calls, um, well, Liger's Crazy Uncle Jushin. Um, Naito is Flatiron. Um, so she, she knows, like, she knows people, but she doesn't necessarily, she's actually pretty good. Like, she'll be like, that's Ibushi. I'll be like, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think she's actually a little bit, but she, like, if it's on, instant earbuds go in and she's watching YouTube videos and shit. Um, yeah, I mean, she's, there's not, I, nowhere near a fan. Um, I think she finds... I th- I tell you what, Shibata was one that she I, I know that she was uh, her eye her eyes open up. She she's she sees that Shibata. Um, I think she might be a little bit of a fan of Zach too. I think she might be a little bit of a fan of Zach. So, got to keep my eye out for that one. All right, uh, Glosius, as much as made of the January fourth Tokyo Dome show and how much of a spectacle it is. Do you think two nights at the Dome, especially with the fourth being the first of two nights, compromises how highly regarded the January 4th show is? I would say no, as long as this is a one-off. I don't know if you keep doing double Dome shows. Yes, I think you are going to compromise some of the specialness of it. Look, I think if you walk out of here on January 6th, and it's a spectacular event, there will be talk of 
double domes now and forevermore. I mean, keep in mind, that double dome was replacing that dash show where you had 38,000 people trying to get into a venue that holds 22. Um, the demand, the, look, the only thank reason. Thank you, Fraser. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I look forward to seeing you in Tokyo. Um, they wouldn't do this if there wasn't demand and they felt that they could do it. Um, this is going to be the litmus test. And if it does well, and again, if you walk out of there January 6th and, it, and we're all abuzz, don't be surprised if they do this again the next year. Mick Deep says, or Mike Deep, has Damon, has Music Damon listened to the Mountain Goats Beat the Champ album? It's a beautiful indie rock record that specifically focuses on themes of US territory wrestling. It's gorgeous and a worthy listen for any or all wrestling fans. Truly adds a ton of heart to the minutiae of the territory days of the one true sport. Yes, also worth checking out is the song he did for Sasha Banks recently. The story behind it is super cute. Huh, no. So, it's an album. I guess indie rock would be the flavor, and it's all territory themes. Yep, it seems like it. I've never heard of it myself. I need to. Uh, I need to get that. I'll listen to it. Yeah, I'll listen. That might be fun. I've been listening to a lot of um, game show themes lately. American game, like old game show themes. I don't know why. That was a that was a hole I went in the other day. And oh, and, and I downloaded and bought my first video game in a long time, Joel. You want to take a guess at what I bought yesterday? Oh, Come on. I, I have no idea. No, you just tell me. All right. You're tired. You're getting sleepy. Um, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's half 11. <laughs> it's uh, Grand Theft Auto Five. I bought I know it's old. It's probably yeah. like four years old, but yeah, I bought it. It was like 15 bucks on the PlayStation Store. I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. I get it. Because I just like going around. My favorite thing is to take a chainsaw or something like that into like a like a store or a strip club or whatever and just friendly hack away. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I'm scared. Fun. I'm worried about us going to WrestleCube now. <laughs> uh, I just love doing it. Or getting a motorcycle and just seeing how fast and how far I can jump. and Like the missions. I don't give a shit. I just want to fucking Let's see what around. I... What, when I play GTA, I like to obey the law. I will try oh, to, you know, follow Parallel the traffic park. rules. and Yeah. <laughs> right. Me too. I do that too sometimes. All right. Uh, wrap it up, Joel. You're sleepy. It's time for you to go to bed. Your children wait uh, tomorrow for another day of education, fun, and learning with Joel Abraham. Me? Uh, I got to put up with dumb fucking work shit tomorrow at 9 o'clock. So uh, wrap her up. Why don't you? Yeah. If we didn't get around to your questions, I'm sure we'll get onto them next time um and it's kind of a slow news period in new japan isn't it so worry not if we didn't get to yours i do have them all in my notebook file and uh we'll get to them eventually but i'm very tired so please join our discord which is it's really kicking off damon there's a, a, a know, lot of big names in the pro wrestling intelligentsia i know you don't like it but other people are having a good time there so you can me. find the yeah, well, you hate social media, so right. what can I say? Um, you can find the link to that in our show notes and also pinned to the Twitter. You can buy one of our T-shirts, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash superjcast. Massive thank you to editor Dan. Visit his YouTube channel, 219 Films, and on Twitter at Escape the Box UK. Please subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Give us a five-snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at superjcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>